This is the uh, Joe Swanson Propaganda Podcast. Uh, the podcast is brought to you by Kingpin Tattoo Supply. You can find them, as always, on the internet at www.kingpintattoosupply.com. They're on Instagram at Kingpin Tattoo Supply, and they are on Twitter at Kingpin Supply. Um, also, I'd like to give a little shout-out to Waterloo Tattoo Stations and Hustle Butter Deluxe. Thank you very much for uh, hooking me up and, uh, and doing your thing, man. Um, today on the show, I'm honored to have a man who tattooed in San Francisco during the 90s, in the boom, when shit was happening out there. Um, he's been featured on uh, Vice.com's Tattoo Age series. And he runs, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, one of the most talented and well-respected and well-branded shops in New York City at Invisible Sun. Troy Denning is my guest today. What's up, man? What's up, man? How you doing? Dude, I am, I'm good. It's been uh, it's a beautiful day out here in California. Um, it's been a great morning so far. I'm just stoked to talk to you. Uh, you've been doing some fucking really cool stuff with, uh, with your podcast, uh, Invisible Radio, available on iTunes. Um, everybody should go check that out. I was listening this morning how did that come about um i always want i love radio i love talk radio i always wanted to do it to a capacity i didn't know it was possible but then when the podcast uh availability popped up it was just like always like i want to do that i want to do that and then one day my girlfriend just bought me the whole setup and was like all right do it so i was like all right. And then one, and then one day I was like, I can't leave the shop until I actually have something on iTunes today. Like I'm not leaving until I actually have some content up. So I did the first episode, and then since that, great response. Everything's everything's been good. You know, talking is very. It's like I'm black belt at fucking talking. So that's you know that's what most tattooers are. It's part of our job. So that's you know one of the one of the things that wanted me to get started doing this. Yeah, absolutely, Sorry. absolutely man. It's. Uh... I know, having listened to your shows, a handful of parts of each of them, um, that you're doing. It's a lot of work. What you're doing, and well, yeah. Well, I I kind of dialed that back. Like like at first, I did. I had this like like great idea to do full shows, you know, where everything was like this intros, me, me and my friends making music, like a, like a big show. And that stuff is cool, but it really is not good for like uh, immediate gratification. And it's it's it it's at my level of editing and all that kind of stuff because I'm pretty much doing it all myself. It's uh, it's too it's way too ambitious at this stage, right. you know. So I what in the future I'm just gonna put the solo interviews out, and then if I have four or five that are kind of a consistent theme, then make a show out of it afterwards. If you wanted to just listen to uh, female tattooers for two hours, then you could do that. But you could also listen because it's easier for people. A lot of the, a lot of the people that have, uh, a lot of people that have responded to me or given me input, they're doing it in between other, you know, they're listening to it. They're cramming it in between other things in their life. So it's easier for them to scroll through a bunch of different guests than it is for them to fast forward it to the person that they wanted to hear in the major sh in the big show. So right. yeah, absolutely. No, and just, I just, 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 yeah, no, that's yeah. great. I, I love it. I like the the segmented portion. Hear me you better know, through this. Feel should to I? your show. Say that again. So should I talk through this or can you hear me fine oh, over either, the regular? Either one. Either one sounds really good. So um, this whatever's one, this one looks pro. Yeah, that does. It does look pro. We both look pro now. We got <laughs> headphones and microphones and shit. Uh. <laughs> you know, I know I like so, yeah. the 
I like the segmented, you know, things broken down a little bit. I, I do understand that, you know, like the podcasts that I listened to were more um, before I started doing mine and how I kind of frameworked mine off of was that kind of long conversation that people can just kind of pick up or drop off where once you they get, want to. Yeah. And once you get past the 30 minute mark, you're surprised how easy it goes. And then, and then the time just like goes by, like once you get past a half an hour, people are both loosened up and it's, it's chill and you get like the, the realness, you know, out of them. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's good. I know. I, so I like that. I like that. The other thing I like about your show that I've, that is just a small little nuance, but is the fact that you can hear people in the background tattooing. I heard machines going and, and uh, you know, well, the, was that in, was that intentional that you brought it into the shop or was oh. it just that that's the space I had to do this? It's kinda, this, this is the space that I have and this is pretty much where I take care of all of my business anyways. So, you know, I, it was, there was, if it was at some other location, it definitely wouldn't have the, we wouldn't be able to just grab people, you know, cause in New York, you can just literally be sitting on the stoop and be like, Oh, this, you should be on the show. You know, come in real quick. And so that's how this this summer I, I hope to do that. Like, I'm lucky enough to be in a position to where I can, you know, just to be as free with my schedule as I want. So I, I can, you know, like be like, all right, you know, we're doing an interview and then I can touch it for a couple hours and do another interview. It's like I'm not, it's not, I don't have like a super structured, you know, like as far as my tattooing. Everybody else here works nonstop, but it's like myself, I can, you know, pick and choose like what, what how I want to spend my time when I'm here. So. It's good. Gives you that freedom to work on those projects. Yeah, for you sure. Want to work on. For sure. Yeah. How, how has your experience been doing the show so far? Oh, it's awesome. I love it. It's uh, it's super fucking fun. And uh, you know, to me, it's just another. It's just another dimension of the shop, and it's just another dimension of, you know, doing what we do. Because basically, part of our job is, you know, keeping our client uh, or just shooting the shit and chopping it up with the customers and making them feel like they're part of the, you know, they're part of the cool, the cool crowd, you know, that are here at the shop. So it's good. Yeah. Is that part of, you know, it seems like all the stuff that you do is wrapped around invisible NYC as a brand. And that, that's cool to me because I like that you're taking, you're taking your shop and, and what you're going to put out there. It's a family. I mean, it's a small knit, close-knit group and it seems like you really pumped that out there was that intentional for you to do that yeah of course like brotherhood and the the family aspect of everybody here you know we're like this place is like the clubhouse you know and everybody it's a clubhouse where we get a lot of shit done so it's it's good you know like i have i've I've watched people that own tattoo shops for a long time and I've, i've watched the mistakes that they made and it's so there's so many um interpersonal um aspects of it that you really have to have a handle on it's not you know it's you have to pick your battles and you have to really figure out what's the best way to address certain uh certain issues that you may have with somebody that you know because it's not just about like okay the the guy who's the best tattooer gets to do whatever he wants and everybody else just kind of has to just like work around him it's like i think that's fucking bullshit but i've and that's i've worked in places like that where it's like you know, you have one guy that's got all this attention, and so he just kind of fucks off and does whatever he wants, and then everybody else is is re- required to pay the rent. You know, so it, I wanted it to be a completely different type of place than that. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that comes from that uh, from your interest in Japanese tattooing and the family? Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Where, where did um, that come from? Uh, when I was, that was my, my initial interest in tattooing was Japanese tattoos. Huh. And then in the 90s in San Francisco, uh, there was so much different stuff going on as far as like uh, all the guys that are doing like, like biomech and uh, art school cubism type of stuff and like all these type of tattoos that were really pushing the envelope. Um, when, you know, then I kind of, you know, then I, it was like, no, this is what it is. Like Guy Atchison, artists like that were doing all this like really uh, groundbreaking stuff. So then, um, then, you know, then I kind of came back around to it. Once I started working with Tim Lehigh, like I always loved Japanese work. Um, I didn't know, I didn't, everything in San Francisco at that time, like you, you were, you thought you had to always change everything and break the rules with everything, which had, you know, which wasn't the right thing to do in a lot of cases. But, you know, when you're in your formative years and you're like really getting, you're still learning this thing. And there was really no rules at that time. So it's like, you, you know, you could get away with doing that kind of stuff. And then afterwards I was like, nah, this is actually this is actually a thing that it requires a lot of rules and it requires a lot of like, uh, you know, as far as composition and stuff like that. And what you know, the way you come for you, the well, I worked with Tim Lehigh probably because yeah. seeing all the work that he was doing and seeing the minute he came to San Francisco, he started just crushing it with like all these really big pieces. And that was that, that, that kind of solidified that it's like, okay, this is, this is a style that in the, in this style, because I've always been, you know, I mean, that the Japanese style fits my personality more because the subject matter is shit that I really like. I've always been into, you know, uh, nerdy, uh, you know, Conan and, and fucking warriors and all this kind of fantasy stuff. So the Japanese uh, mythology fits completely into that, you know, as far as uh, subject matter wise. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you ever miss that? Um, you tattoo pretty much custom stuff you know, on the regular, do you ever miss that like real street shop um, where you're just uh, client so here I, today, client gone today type of thing? I will. Yeah, I'll do, I'll, I'll work at street shops and, and, you know, just do whatever is necessary if I'm traveling or something. I don't like to do that here because, you know, there's other people, I, those type of situations I just give to somebody else, you know, cause it's like, it, it's not worth my, frustration to deal with this person because every every person is kind of going through their own uh learning process and if i think a client's going to be difficult i'll give them to one of my guys because it's like they need that kind of practice more than i do because I, i've dealt with every kind of fucking shitty client and i don't need like uh, the last thing i need if if i agree to like if i'm just on my you know like i i have some time freed up and, and some lady wants like some silly little tattoo you know I don't really have the time to just go through that whole process with her of breaking her in and like convincing her what's better. You know, I'll let one of the guys do that. That's it's, you know, I've, I've passed that point. Right. I heard a story that, and you can confirm or deny this, but I heard a story when you're working in San Francisco, once a guy tried to walk out of the shop and having not paid you and you, uh, you put a whooping on him. Um, I used to hear stories about Troy Denning and jujitsu when I worked <laughs> in San Francisco at picture machine. <laughs> I never actually, I've never actually beat anybody up in the shop or, but I've definitely had, there was a couple, the San Francisco, there's more than one event of that happening where you'd have, you'd have to, but I'd see people, I'd see people out that had stiffed me, you know, and had to handle it there because like, listen, cause you know, they're cool, they're cool scene guys, you know? So I'd see the, I was like, Hey motherfucker, you know, you said you're going to come back, you know, so give me that money right now. How much money you got on you? You know, that kind of thing. 
Um, you know, I, you, you, San Francisco was a, it was a really interesting place at that time. What, what you know, it was like kind of, uh, this is in the nineties. This is, I'm from, I'm from the area, but, uh, Hayward, I, right? Hayward, Oakland area. My dad lived in Oakland. My mom lived in Hayward. Um, but that, that's all the same. It's just like one big long street that connects everything. So it's not, it's like the same, it's same city basically in Oakland. There's like more black people. And in Hayward at that time, it's just bikers and Mexicans. You know, so this was like growing up in the 70s, super, super industrial, super, very uh, blue collar, you know, environment. Um, and well, yeah, when I started, when I started, uh, I started jujitsu in the early, the early 90s, right when it first came to America. Right. So I was actually one of uh, Half Gracie's probably like his first 50 students in the Bay Area. And uh, so... So, yeah, and, and nobody was into it then. Like, I was a freak. Everybody was like, what is this weird shit you're into? Like, oh, Troy, you're so fucking weird. What is all this? And so now, and it's funny because, like, now it's like a default location for any guys in their 30s that want to get in shape, that have tattoos. They're like, well, yeah, of course, I'm going to do jiu-jitsu. You know, that's a course. And it's like, motherfucker, where were you when I needed a training partner? I was, like, all, all alone by myself. It was, like, me and two other guys in the whole city that trained. So. Yeah, it's almost never just jiu-jitsu anymore. It's always MMA. <laughs> like, some sort of MMA training, which, you know, people say whatever they want about that. Like, I think, personally, I think the whole MMA craze has kind of killed jiu-jitsu a lot because it's made it less pure. It's made it less fun. Because now you're you're instead of like a bunch of guys that are really trying to learn jujitsu, you have a bunch of people that just kind of fancy themselves fighters, you know, like they 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 like the idea of thinking of themselves as a fighter. So everything they do, they're like, well, what if, uh, you know, what, you know, what, what, you know, they'll they'll be like, well, in this position, the guy can totally punch you in the face. It's like that's not really what we're talking about right now. You know, we're talking about doing this technique that works. You know, that in and not. A, and not like you conceiving of yourself in, in a pair of shorts with fucking with the patches all over them in the octagon. You know, do what you're fucking do what you're supposed to be doing here now. You know, so yeah. What's your uh, pure jujitsu? Do you do you prefer the gi or the no gi? I think they're both super cool. Depends I mean, I think they're 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 both. Well, the the gi is fucking completely is the game is so much more complicated, and it's so much slower. And it's so much more based on te te technical things. Uh, the, the no gi, like if you have like a basic wrestling ability, you can survive fairly well, and you can snap out of. Uh, you can just like spaz out and get out of uh, get out of techniques and stuff a lot way easier than with the gi. But uh, you know, I, I think they're both cool. I think just regular jujitsu is super noble, and people, you know, people will say like, oh, it's not. People over with any kind of like a self-defense martial art type of thing, they're not realistic with themselves because they, you know, you, you they're like, oh man, you know, that, ju you know, jujitsu is fucking, you know, it's cool, but like you would never end up in that position. You can never get an armbar on some guy on the street. And it's like, you know what, man, are you fighting every day on the street? You know, like, are you really like, it's, it's, it's an, it's an activity that's super fun that makes you a tougher person. And that's basically all you can ask of any you know, martial art or anything. It's recreational. It's a lot of fun. And by putting yourself in bad situations where you're getting, you know, you have guys trying to fucking kill you all the time. That makes you, that makes your survivability a lot more probable than if you were to just like, be like, I don't know. I would just like crush this guy's throat really quick. And it's all this like conceptual shit. You know, it's like, no, I mean, do something 
that were you testing your you're testing your your uh your stamina and your ability to be down and then come back from a bad situation and uh that will help you you know that will do more to help you survive in any kind of street situation because it's completely unpredictable nobody ever knows what's happening the smartest thing you can do for any kind of fighting situation is not not let it happen you know stay away from it so yeah um yeah anybody that thinks like you you, you get in you get in a fight on the street man you lose just by being in the fight because you're fucking even if you kick the guy's ass your your hands are going to be all fucked up. You're going to hurt yourself some some way or go to jail. So it's fucking stupid. It, you know. But but you know, you still deal with people like that at the academy because they're like they feel like they're they're going to turn themselves into like some fucking street vigilante or something like, "Well, what if this happens? What if this happens?" It's like, just "Relax. Just tr- train hard at what you're being taught and just do that." Yeah, work on your core muscles, man. Let's yeah, uh sure. hurdle <laughs> up, you know. And and learn how to run. Yeah, exactly. Fast. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I would not consider myself a jiu-jitsu guy uh, anymore. I did train. Um, I trained with Caesar Gracie for about a year out in. That's that's, that's what sorry, I started with Caesar. Yeah, man, it was uh, it, it was fun. I in, did it. Uh, in what city? In Pleasant. It was like Pleasant Hill. Yeah, or? no, yeah, on Alhambra Boulevard. That's the one that I went to. Yeah. that was his. Wait, it was in. No, his was the one. It was. I went to his initial one, and then I think they moved into a way larger location afterwards. Because the one that I trained when I when Half Gracie was still with him, mm-hmm. we trained at the one that was it was uh, it was just one room with no showers or anything like that. Yeah, this one was a uh, this one was in yeah Pleasant Hill or Pleasanton, right like, there by Concord. And, close, uh, Con- yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah, and it was uh, I did that for for about a year, and then throughout the years, I've done different different stuff, shoot fighting and. Um, I did some no gi stuff and I actually got to train my, here's my claim to fame, dude. I got tapped out by uh, Eddie Bravo five different ways very nice. quickly. Um, and uh, got to roll down there at legends, which was super fun. Um, I really dig that, that whole no gi system for legends. Interesting. Which not it's, it's, one and not legends. Jose. No legends. in uh, cause there's a, I, it was legends in LA. There was a, Okay, because uh, there was a that on the mat on the mat magazine uh, the website they had a school called Legends for a while. I think BJ Penn was training there and stuff like that. Like this was in the the, the or, like early two thousands. Yeah, yeah. No, this. So, is anyways, like, yeah, you know, yeah. Okay. Cool. it's it's fun, man. I you know what what I dug it's about. For me. Say that again. I said it's a cool way for a man to spend your time. It's, you know, you stay in shape. You you keep your head in the fight game. It's good. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I think uh, what I like about it is it is one of those things that is not only, you know, you're being taxed mentally and physically at the same time. And that's that's something you don't you know, you're not going to just probably get on the you're not going to get that on the treadmill. You know, I don't think I feel. Oh, yeah. I personally feel it's much better to like the way you look at your training you're be- you're you're better off just constantly being and defending yourself because that makes you a tougher person. If you're fucking just if you're just training with white belts and you're just tapping everybody, you're not manifesting any kind of real skills. You know, what I mean, you're not you're not really doing anything to your character. You know, you need to be always putting yourself in a situation where you're you know you're on the bottom and like you're trying to get get out of this bad situation. You know, always like I, when I you know. I never had a problem being t- tapped or anything like that. I don't have that kind of ego, 
because everything is different. And it's like, just because a guy taps you in jujitsu doesn't mean if you guys had some argument that you couldn't handle it, you know, it's a completely different situation. And so I don't get, I don't get like all emotionally involved like that, you know? But, uh, so, um, do you still train? Huh? I got a a bad knee. I blew out my, I have a ruptured, I have a ruptured hamstring blown out ACL And uh, the the my knee like uh, one of the the tendons that holds my kneecap in is like lacerated. Nice. So until that is all rehabbed, um, I you know I can I can do I'm gonna start training again so where I can go in and just do drills and no going live because every time I go live, it's you know I'll make it half the day and then my knee will pop. So I have to just make sure that's super strong, but they just get back in the Academy and con- continue to do, uh, just drills and then keep the, keep the techniques, you know, keep in my mind. Keep it tight. Where did the, yeah, keep, where did the love of bikes come from? Motorcycles? Where do they come from? Yeah. Where, where did you, where were you introduced to that? My interest in motorcycles. Um, I've been riding my whole life. I mean, I've always loved, I've always loved motorcycles. Um, you know, and then once I've always loved bikes when I, when I was a teenager, I was really all the st- all the shit the guys are into now, like all the retro choppers and stuff like that. The '60s '60s Survivor look. Um, me and my friends were all into that stuff in in the '80s. Like we were really into that stuff when the the, the consensus of the the motorcycle scene, as far as like Harley Davidson uh, riders was concerned, they were into just ugly, like kind of like a like a less tough version of like the club bikes now, you know, with the fairing and, but just really overdone and really not, not cool at all. You know, like they'd have like FXRs with like tiny little short shocks on it, uh, chop front end and kind of, you know, just like a, like an old man show bike looking type of thing. I wasn't into that at all, but I've always loved, like, even when I had a, you know, like I had a, like, you know, old vintage bikes, I would always still have like a Japanese, like a KZ 1000 or something just for like, getting shit done, you know, like the shit when you need to run errands and stuff, like I would always keep that, you know, on board because you can't, you know, a fucking 1968 fucking chopper, like you can't rely on that if you have to really have some business, you know. um, Was was Ness back then? Arlen Ness, was he on East 14th at that point? He was right on, he was right on Mission Boulevard, which is very close to where I grew up. Yeah. uh, That, his original location, his original location was really tight and it's really dark and it was like you're, you were, you were maneuvering between motorcycles that were just kind of like squeezed in this, this tight location. And then he moved to like this big showroom type of type of place. And, uh, and then they moved Then now they're out in Dublin somewhere. Like, but a bunch of my friends, like my really good friend, uh, Phil Sims, the tattooer had a shop on mission Boulevard, which was right literally like less than two or three blocks from Arlen Ness, but directly across from his shop, my friend had a, uh, a, like a, like a machine shop where they would do cylinder head fording for Harleys and uh, top fuel drag bikes and stuff like that. So he, my, my, my friend's dad ran that place, but my friend worked there. He was the, one of the main welders there and he was still in, you know, I knew him from high school. We used to skateboard together. And so he was really tight with, he basically built the engines for all of Arlen's Arlen and uh, like a Ron Sims and pretty much everybody in that area that was like doing motorcycles. And Hayward is a huge biker city. Anyways, like there's like motors, like that's like a, it's pretty much, you know, that's, 
And whenever, like, I, I remember one time I was like, I was getting interviewed for like International Tattoo or something like the, some one of those magazines that's not around anymore. And, you know, I was telling the guy like, about the tattoo shops in my neighborhood where I grew up. And he goes, what the, he's like, what are you fuck, fucking Hayward or something? And I'm like, that's exactly where I'm from. Cause I was telling him about like the imagery and stuff. There was like, you know, up on the wall. And he's like, ah, oh, totally. Oh, yeah. I've been there, man. It's like, that totally reminds me of that. That sounds like that. Um, yeah. So it was a great, you know, I mean, my childhood was great. You know, my, my teenage years pre tattooing was a lot of fun. And, uh, when I decided to get into tattooing, I just kind of like put that stuff on the back burner because I was like, I can only have so many hobbies and I uh, got, you know, and then just straightened out. And then I would ride here and there. I'd get bikes here and there, but I wasn't as passionate about it. You know, I, I, it wasn't anything that I was like really spend my time on. And then then I built like this Street Fighter bike when I came to New York, like this like survival Street Fighter Mad Max type of bike, which was fucking awesome. And then I sold it before I opened my shop here. And then, uh, you know, once once I got grounded after I got divorced and everything, once I started to do shit for myself again, I, I was like, all right, I'm going full blast. I'm gonna I'm gonna have everything that I want. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ride a lot. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to ride every day I can, and I'm gonna have the exactly what I want. You know, build exactly what I want to my specs. So it's you know, and that's what I'm on the way with now. I still have that chopper, but my my uh, my twin the the Dyna is the bike that I ride every day. That's like the best for me. It's like that motorcycle. That model is like the best motorcycle that Harley Davidson ever made, and it's the uh, it's like the best of both worlds because it's I have a sport bike front end on it, and a lot of like upgraded brakes, all this cool shit. I'm gonna put a new. I'm gonna put a big ass motor in it once I get to ten thousand miles, and I just fucking love riding that thing. I could I could rip around on that thing all day long. Literally, like time time flies whenever you know when I'm out on that thing. So it's awesome. A lot of the a lot of the guys out here um, run the uh, pro taper bars on those. You know they have them. yeah motocross. I, I mean mine are I, I have the same. It's the same. It's the same look. They're just not the with the pro taper bars. You have to put like spacers and all this kind of stuff to adjust for the size of the bar. And uh, that's that's to me that's just too much work. I mean I just certain things like all you know the pro taper bars don't weigh anything. They're like made out of fucking titanium or something. They're fucking that shit's cool. Well you know the guy uh, um, the guy Sacha Kraus who does a lot of those kind of bikes. He lives in New York now. So me and him hang out. I'm going to have him on my show. He's a super cool guy. And he comes from like a, he's from like San Rafael, I think. So, but a lot of those guys come from sport bike backgrounds. Yeah. A lot of the guys now, like they, uh, you know, there were those dudes that were ripping around, like doing those wheelie videos and shit like that. And then once they hit like their mid thirties, they're like, all right, uh, riding a fucking purple CBR is not really my thing. I'm going to get into uh, like Harley Davidson is a very adult motorcycle. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, I'm gonna get an adult bike. And uh, then I'll just rip around on that and try to do the same shit that I would do on my Ninja or something, which is cool. That makes for, you know, it's good for the breed. Yeah, absolutely. I used to, I've ridden here and there a little bit and I uh, used to ride a Kawasaki. Um, what is it? What was it? It was like uh, some big sport bike, man, that I had. I used to ride it in from Vallejo every day to San Francisco, and I worked there last time. Back of, the first shop I worked at, or the first shop that I ever hung out in was in Vacaville. Really? Like as a, as a potential. I was an apprentice. It was somewhat. Like, I, I, was, I, was, I tried to learn from him. He was really cool, but uh, it was just too far away. It was just like a, it was like a two-hour bus ride from my house on the weekends. So it was just too much. I couldn't yeah. do it. What was that guy's? Was that Dirty Harry? 
Dirty Harry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. He's a really cool guy. Yeah, I think um, he's up in Washington or some shit right now. I've heard I heard stories about I that guy, like that he was he was putting tribal I into this dude. He was putting tribal into this guy and he was I mean, Dirty Harry was a wild dude apparently. Um I worked with some guys that had worked. He was sober. Him. He was sober when I uh when I when I met him, he was sober and he had like a like a hair early hair transplant. You know the kind where they just like sew the shit on your head? Uh-huh. So he had to wear like an Axel Rose bandana all the time to cover up the seam. But then he just looked pissed off all the time. Like he was just like you know, like at all times he was like like his head was like super, super so that, that, affected, that that affected his mood, but uh Yeah, he was putting I, he was just breaking tribal into this guy and the guy was like ah you know ah just yelling and so Harry just looks at him and he's just blasting it in there with a mag he's like Ah, ah, just yelling right back at the guy. I guess it was pretty wild. Yeah, Vacaville. I owned a shop there for two years and uh, just sold it a year ago. You and, you owned a shop in Vacaville? Yeah, I owned a I owned uh, Black Dagger Tattoo was my shop that I had from 2010 to 2012, and now I'm out here at a shop called Hard Luck Tattoo in Lodi. And uh, okay, also yeah. you're out you're out that way. Yep, yep. yep I, right did, I, I thought I knew I, I knew you're somewhere in Central California. I wasn't sure where. Yeah, just south of just south of um, Sacramento. It's a nice spot. It's like yeah. My, my sister, my I've been to Lodi before. That's where like uh, well, that Stockton Lodi area. Yep, Lodi. They used to have they used to have MMA fights there. Uh-huh. Caesar's, Caesar's got a school in Stockton. I yeah, think. Yeah, he's, he's, the, he's the Diaz, right the Diaz in Lodi too. Okay. Yeah, the Diaz brothers had a school there. Um, yeah, you know, it's fucking awesome. Riding's fun. Yeah, you know, I got I got hit I got hit by a fucking truck the other day, uh, like about a month ago, that uh, my leg just started feeling better. Like I, New York is so fucking dangerous. I it's like I was like I, you see those videos of those guys out in my Cali doing like the Harley wheelies on the highway and shit. It's like I'd like to see that shit in New York because the streets they, you're never you're never comfortable enough to like try to fucking do a rip a wheelie or anything like that because there is danger coming at you from every angle. The streets, like especially where, kind of out where I live, I live like right on the verge of where it's like nice families and then like industrial. That area, man, it's fucking oil slicks everywhere, fucking crumbling asphalt, giant like six inch potholes, you know, everywhere. So, you know, you really got, you're on your game and you're always in survival mode. You're never cruising just like, hey, let's go, let's go rip around and like, you know, it, once you get out of the city, you know, actually, you know, this, the roads even outside of the city are fucking shit. You know, they're always under construction. Nothing is nothing. Nothing in New York. New York is like a. It's like a. It's a love hate relationship always because you're constantly battling with shit falling apart. Everything, nothing working when it's supposed to. You know, one, they'll just turn the water off at my shop. You know, they turn the water off. They're like, oh, we're working on it, and they're like, one's gonna get fixed, and they're like, we don't know. So it's a, and then you're like, well, you know, my rent is, is fucking astronomical and I'm still dealing with this fucking bullshit, but everybody deals with it, man. You know, when did you come to New York? Uh, 99, 99. And so yeah. how different was it coming from San Francisco to New York for you? Um, it was, it was really different because I moved in the middle of summer also. So it's really hot here in summer and it, San Francisco is the kind of city where you, it never gets so uncomfortable that you need either, uh, AC or a heater. You know, so you you just, you know, on, on, in the extreme sides, you just deal with it. But in New York, you need both. And and it's almost like 
the uh, you go straight from running your heater full blast, and then you'll have like one nice day, and then and then your AC is on full blast. You know, it's it's like never you never get comfortable. You never you never like you know like oh this is a great day to go for a walk. Like that one nice day will be the one day that you're stuck indoors all day, wait waiting for the waiting for the guy to come fix your water. You know, like like that's the day you're stuck indoors. So you know it's a love hate relationship, but you know we endure it. I, you know, I have a business here, so I'm always, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of stuck, you know, but I can, you know, I, I can still do whatever I want. Yeah. What was it like tattooing in 99 when you first came there? Did you know, uh, I think I, t- I think I listened to uh, your podcast with uh, um, Stephanie Temez and Virginia Elwood, that the bad <laughs> women one. Um, you talked about coming to Adorned, right? Is that where you first landed? Uh-huh. I started Adorned. Yeah. I, um... That's the first shop I worked at. It was fucking killer, man. It was awesome. But, you know, like I was saying, like, San Francisco, we, you know, after working with Grimy and Marcus, and then before that at Everlasting, um, you get, you, it was kind of, it's kind of spoiled. And then I came to New York, you know, because we, we all had this very boutique type of existence. And then I come to New York. And, uh, you know, I was dealing with walk-ins again. I was like, me and, you know, like when me and Grime were working together, we were like turning down as many tattoos as we take on because we're like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I don't want that. That's silly. And then in New York, I couldn't afford to turn anything down. So I was like really, I was really hustling, you know, because like um, everything, like bills and everything were tripled. So, you know, and the lifestyle here is just, everything is so much more expensive. So, you know, you, you don't have the luxury to be like, no, nah, I don't feel like doing a blue dragon today i only want to do like a red one today it's like no you do whatever see whatever's necessary yeah because i was like the prime allergic experience was we were so pick, we were so picky we were just like you know whatever we'd just nitpick and whatever we didn't want to do we figure out an excuse to tell the guy that we were we weren't the guy so how long did you work for primal urge what was it like working for uh, working with marcus it was great i mean marcus is really a lot of people have had problems working with him i thought he was really easy to work with um you know he just requires space he requires space and he requires a certain amount of attention and that's it but uh he's he's cool as hell grime is like one of my best friends ever so me and him got along killer always uh we uh i've always admired him just i i admire like people admire his artwork and stuff like that i mean i think he's great but it just as a person, I've always thought he was just had such, was so special um, to have uh, that kind of strength and everything. And like he, you know, everybody, uh, everybody fucking complains and like they think their problems are so major, you know, and he just makes them look just so weak and so small, you know. So, yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, that's cool, man. Grime is uh, riding motorcycles these days. Yeah, he's like racing. Yeah. I saw I was out there. I was out there. uh couple months ago i was out there for the new year and me and him me and him hung out a bit and we got caught up and he's like he's like doing like road racing i'd like to do that too man i, I want to um take some sort of like a uh, road racing course yeah. you know that's yeah. that's fun it can only anything that makes you a better rider is is great yeah. and the thing is my girlfriend is so cool that like anything any like if if it's in the con like if i was like hey i want to be a motorcycle racer she'd be like chill out and i'm like no i want to take a course that's going to make me a better rider She's like, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. totally, like it's just all how you frame the, the the how you frame it, you know. So, yeah. So uh, I, I want to take like a one of like a road racing, you know, like a couple week course or something. That'd be fun. Yeah, it's cool, man. I I did uh, I 
raced a little bit of supermoto with my buddy Paul Urich, who uh, is out of San Francisco, um, at Nowheresville SF. He is on Instagram, but uh, he, he's been uh, riding with Grime a little bit too, and he's a bad motherfucker on a motorcycle, dude. He, uh, I like, I like, I have a Kawasaki, I have a KLR 650, like a supermoto style. Yeah, and, and that that's probably the perfect motorcycle for New York. You know, that thing I can I can go faster on that bike through traffic than I can on any of my other bikes. And the other one's like, you know, the other one will top out way that faster than I mean it'll this the KLR like maybe go if you're even going over the speed limit, you're fucking vibrating, you're like you know. Um but getting around town, man, it's a fucking snap, you know. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, he would race this uh this Yamaha four fifty that he he put a he, his shit was super tricked out, like pressure-sensitive brakes and speed-sensitive yeah. brakes and shit like that. Yeah. And he would race in a Formula Singles class for AFM, and he'd race the uh, on the big tracks. Um, he raced both the sport bikes and supermoto, but he was in a class where he was racing against sport bikes on his supermoto. And he would hit, oh, like, yeah, it's wild, man. He said yeah. it would, it's crazy because you would haul ass into the corner, and you could carry so much speed into that corner, and right. you just back it in. And you're fucking zipping out of there when this guy's got to set up super hard for this corner on the on the sport bike. He loved it, man. He's yeah, and, and, well. That's cool because then in the straight, like it's it's re- it's a really competitive. It's like what what um yeah what 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 is the most adv- advantageous and what kind of motorcycle style like what kind of setup is the most advantageous? Yeah. Well, that like you know they they make that um, KTM Super Duke, which is basically like the ultimate street ripper track ripper bike. That thing is fucking awesome. I was got I was gonna buy one uh, years ago. I did the I did a um, job this I did a couple commercial jobs for Pepsi, and I had all these this you know all this unexpected money. So I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm just gonna go buy I'm just gonna go buy a brand new motorcycle, cash, right? And these motherfuckers. This is another thing about New York. The fucking dealership. I was like. They're like, oh, that one's sold. And I'm like, all right, can you order me another one? You think in a city like New York where you can get anything you want. Because like, I could have had a fucking brick of cocaine delivered to my apartment if I wanted. But getting this motorcycle delivered was, uh, they're like, ah, no, the, the, econ- the, the, the economy's so bad that the, 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 the KTM dealership is only sending us one a year. <laughs> I was like, really? Like in New York City? I was like, just, I was like, motherfucker, call them right now. I have money to buy this thing cash. And they're like, ah, oh, we got to wait till next year. It's like you guys are fucking horrible at business. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck to tell you. I was like, and then that kind of soured me on it, and I'm like, fuck it, I'll, you know. And then I just got interested in other shit. Yeah, yeah. You're doing uh, what is that? Carbon fiber shit or? What? Oh, the the hydro dip stuff. Yeah, I, I held off on that. Like, I got super into it, and I love doing it. Um, but the weather, like the cold weather, uh, kind of stopped it because I, I do like I was like doing it. I was like. Uh, doing all the prep in my backyard and everything and letting it dry. I have like a, I set up a, a spray booth and I, I have a pretty decent sized backyard here. My apartment used to be upstairs, but now I live out in Park Slope. Um, but I still have the apartment upstairs. So I, I use the back area and I, I set up a spray booth out of uh, those, you know, those like a tanning, like a portable tanning booth, yeah. you know, where like a woman would stand in it and they'd airbrush her. Um, so I have a couple of those set up and I use those to paint the you know, motorcycle parts and stuff like that. Um, but the weather, if, if it's cold, if it's too cold outside, outside, like the spray, the spray paint or the prep all crystallizes and then, the, uh, there were ice crystals would form under the, the hydro dip. So I had to wait till it got warm again to do that. Yeah. Where, 
what uh how did you get into that shit man where did you see that just always i'm i, I just i'm just obsessed on weird shit like uh I'll, uh, I take on like strange, I take on a lot of projects and stuff, like anything else, anything that's not tattooing and tattoo related, I love, you know, anything that's like, anything that's still cool and, and weird and kind of survivalist and, you know, fringy, I, I'm totally into Like, so, uh, when I first saw the carbon fiber hydro dip, I just bought a kit immediately and then I just started experimenting with it. So it was super fun. Yeah. You know, required, but you know, I made a mess out of my fucking apartment. I'm just, I wasn't living there at the time, anyways. But like, my fucking bathtub was like covered in carbon fiber residue, and you know, I did like I think like a couple guest artists came and like stayed in my apartment. I would like to like hear what they their take on it because they didn't ask me any questions about like, hey, what's this weird shit in my fucking bathtub? <laughs> you know, so like it's uh, interesting to see like what they thought was going on because my house, they I'll be like, yeah, I stay in my apartment. I'm not gonna be in town, and it's like you know just boxes everything it's like destroy really live like this because it's just like boxes weird shit and then like weapons and knives and axes everywhere you know you got to run a series of shows with the weirdest shit you found in troy's apartment yeah <laughs> totally it, it, it's probably weirder than you can imagine because there's a lot of weird shit up there i mean i know i still got like a penis pump from some <laughs> some guy gave me a long time ago and i don't hide shit so i'm like and, and i have a I got like a bunch, like some Japanese guy wanted to sponsor me, so he gave me a bunch of those like uh, those uh, fake vaginas, like a flashlight type of thing. But it's like a super advanced uh, Japanese version of it called a flip hole. So and it's it's so weird, but like I just like that would just be like next to my blender. Yeah, you just gotta, you know you just like, gotta figure out yeah. figure out a way to rebrand those the invisible vagina. Sure, it's totally yeah yeah that, well, that's, yeah. It can be whoever you want it to be. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so what's it like? Uh, what's it like? Has it totally changed tattooing in, in New York? I would imagine since you got there in 99 with the explosion of the Internet, shit's way different. It's, it's, it's just it's just there's just more people doing it. Yeah. That's the only there's the you know, the it hasn't. You're more likely to see better tattooers now, you know, because everybody knows um, or shitty tat, like shitty tat, like people know that they don't have to get a crappy tattoo now, you know. But the kind of people that are still, the kind of people that frequent the shops where they have just like a transient crew of guys that like are just, you know, like uh, are just in town for like a week, and then you know, or just like you know the just sketch, really just sketchy, sketchy transient tattooers. You know, they will always go to those people. You know, you can't, you can't t t tell them that they, they don't even know their tattoos are bad. So it's like, I don't want to deal with those people anyway. So it's all good. And our shop here is like invisible. We are literally, we're hidden. There's no sign or anything. The, the windows are blacked out. We, uh, we just all do our thing in here and like people could walk by and they never know what the, you know, so much is going on. We'll have like eight guys tattooing at one time, you know, so it's good. 100% hustle right there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. You know, like, so everything, every, our whole uh, reputation is based on, uh, it, you know, our work and the fact that we've been here as long as we've been here. And everybody, and, and I have no, I have, I will say, you know, in the New York area, I have the lowest turnover rate. Like, I've never, I don't have people coming and going. I have a regular crew and then just build on that. Like, once somebody comes here, unless they're leaving town, they're staying. You know, unless, you know, unless some shit don't work out or the other guy's give them the thumbs down you know we'll, we'll go to the table fucking uh fucking soa style and everybody will vote 
on who goes or not, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down, whatever. So that's good. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Yeah, my, uh, I've known Matt Hodell for a, a lot of years. He's, he's a great guy. Cool guy. I was talking to him. I guess he's, uh, he's lost like 50 pounds, man. He's been working out yeah, with a motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, well, that's that's another. Yeah, it's funny. It's like the the invisible the, the invisible ripple effect. He lost a bunch of weight and uh, bought a motorcycle. So you know, my my influence is like fucking permeating. Yeah, this that's awesome. But uh, we we enjoy having him a lot. He's great. Yeah. Well, he he needed to lose that weight because this place is kind of. It's like New York is like a narrow, tight situation. So he was just like taking up too much space. He was like <laughs> he he needed to be able to to navigate the the tight areas in New York City better. What do you think about the digital drawing shit that he, the Cintiq and and those types of things? Like he's using that shit all the time. I never, I never, never really fucked with it, but I, I'm, I think one of my one of my clients is getting me one of those uh, those tablets. Um, Garver is great at that, all that stuff. Chris Garver can like on the, on like a cheap, outdated laptop do stuff better than somebody with like a full, you know, like a whole fucking Doctor Evil computer setup. Like his is, you know, he can he's amazing. So. Garver's fucking great at that shit. He can do Garver can do drawings that look like he painted them. Like they're that like it doesn't it's not even like, oh, this is a good computer drawing. It's like, oh, this is a digital photo of a painting you did. You know, it looks that good. Damn man. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah he's, a lot of talent a lot of talent right out there. And you, you, Yeah, I mean we we got a we got a good thing. Everybody here is cool. Everybody's for most but more than that, everybody's super respectful, you know, of each other which is the most important thing. Like, I don't want anybody. I never let any, any kind of shop politics that I've seen go on in other places. I never let it go down here. I, I nip that shit in the bud right away. If I see some, if I see two guys like picking on another guy or just kind of like just complaining, just to complain, I'll be like, Hey man, immediately, like, what the fuck? What's your problem? You know, if you got some problem with him, talk to him. You know, I want to hear you guys fucking bitching like old ladies. You know, I don't want to, I don't want this ain't, this ain't a place for little girls. You know, like yeah, I want to be a man. If you got a problem with somebody, say something to him. You know, and then so you nip that shit in the bud right away and let people know that the kind of behavior that will be tolerated in your house, you know, because everybody's we all got to get along here. I've been in shops where every, like everybody's got like vendettas with each other. Like, you know, like these three guys don't get along with these three dudes and like everybody, you know, it's like weird fucking bullshit. It's like that is completely antithetical to, you know, success yeah. and you know, doing it. Those are, the, those are the shops that aren't around, you know, yeah. after a little yeah. while. You know. Well, and then you know, but everybody, you, you everybody knows guys like that. Like the kind of tattooer that's like fucking pussy, like uh, completely obsessed with his own career, and then like he'll come in and he like he talks to his clients and they have this like secret relationship. You know what I mean? They, but they don't talk to anybody else in the shop. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not friendly. You know, it's just like him. Like all oh, these guys don't understand us. Like we have our own thing here. Like blah, 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 blah. It's like I've always hated shit like that. That reminded me of San Francisco. Actually, really? a lot of tattooers in San Francisco were were very much like. Like, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, it's just, they don't understand us. Like, we're doing, like, the spiritual thing over here. And then these guys are, these guys are jocks. Like, they don't get us, you know. So, you know, none of that kind of shit. Everybody's, you know, I'm always super friendly. Like, I, I love fucking my life and I love being here. So I always, you know, I'm always really uh, just as, and you know, as, as happy to see my clients as possible, happy to see everybody else's clients. I'm always like, man, thank you so much. You know, thank you for your support. You know, and just be as respectful to the customer as possible, man. Because, you know, they, they become fucking, you know, I will talk at length about pain in the ass customers. But, you know, it's, it's, you know, they're still, you know, when they let you do your thing, it's, you know, you got to respect them. Yeah. You know? Absolutely, man. What's the, uh, what's the funnest place you've traveled? 
Um, the most fun for, well, I mean, Brazil, of course, for obvious reasons. Um, that was insane. <laughs> you can, I'm sure you can imagine. Like, it was like unrealistic craziness. Like, it's where, like, I man, I was like, man, I could die here so easy. You know, as far as, you know, like, you go to a place like, you go to a place like Brazil, and then, like, a, you know, a tattooed white guy with money. It's just the the fucking the sky's the limit. It's so the amount of trouble you can get yourself into. You know, it's will never stop. And um, but uh, you know th- that was cool. Um, Japan is fucking awesome. I really like. Um, I never tattooed in Prague, but I, Prague was like one of the coolest cities I've ever been to. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I enjoy traveling. I want to do more time in Japan. I haven't been. I haven't been there in like six years. So I really want to go back and spend more time. Last time I went was just for fuck two weeks, maybe two, three weeks, and uh, it was not long enough. You know, I want to I want to go back for a longer period of time, take my lady, have fun. It's good, man. How do you find balance with everything? You know, with the tattooing and and got Just got to you can't think about it. You just got to do it when you have time. If you get a little wind, like if you think that you know you you can't, you just have to do everything within time. You know, and and not obsess over having too many. My my girlfriend is always like every time I show interest in something, she gets this look on her face like oh fuck, and like another hobby, you know this is gonna be another fucking hobby. Right now I'm very into training my dog. I'm with the I'm obsessed with training him with the stimulation collar because he's he's he kind of had a wild childhood. When when I when I got him, he was a rescue, but then also uh, I you know I was living alone and he just kind of grew up as like a shop dog. You know, so he's uh, he's got he's not the he's not the easiest dog for like a woman to control. So I'm uh, so I'm I'm like in the process of you know trying to train him myself, like watching all these YouTube tutorials and stuff. And, but it's you know it's working out well. But I that's I do that like a half an hour every day. You know, get him. You know, and I, I enjoy that a lot. I like I enjoy having like a you know like a figuring out like what's going on in that fucking little pea brain, the dog's pea brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good, man. We have two. Uh, I have a big. I'll send you a little video of this morning. They were playing. We have a little uh, 55-pound pit. She was a rescue and a um, big. He's like 80-something pounds. Big mat. Probably pit mastiff boxer mix. Yeah, he's those are all. Yeah, there's. They don't. You know, like any American pit. The American pit bull is just a hybrid. It's got so much different stuff in it. Um, yeah, my dog's 35 pounds. My dog's tiny. Yeah, he's. he's yeah, he's little. Yeah, they're beat. They're brutal, the, little, the little ones are the, the little ones are the are the are the mean ones. Like there's the tough ones because the big ones are just kind of like, but the little ones are fucking vicious. Totally, exactly, exactly how it is with uh, my two dogs. The little one, she is a bitch, but uh, cool man, Troy. Tell everybody where they can find out anything they want to know, and also let them know about Invisible Radio on iTunes for sure. Okay. So yeah, so. My shop is called Invisible NYC. We've been here for almost 10 years now. Uh, we, we opened up in 2005, and, uh, you know, I got a strong crew here. You can check us out on InvisibleNYC.com. And then also my radio show, Invisible Radio, where we talk about, you know, we, I started off with, like, a lot of tattoo guests initially, but, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of going away from that. Like, it's always still going to be the crux because it's going to be in the tattoo shop, so that's always going to flavor the, the, the conversation to a certain degree. But I want to have like you know I'm gonna start having um, my lawyer on to speak anonymously about like uh, 
you know, my lawyer on to talk about like ways that you can avoid going to jail, you know, if you get in certain situations. Um, a bunch of guys on here, like I have, you know, friends that uh, are uh, urban firearm enthusiasts. And so, you know, ta talking about like gun ownership in New York City versus the rest of the country. Uh, dog I was, trainers. I was, a, I was a cop for seven years out here. What? <laughs> I, used, I was going to, when I first started my podcast, I was going to do a little segment called Pigtails. Which is little <laughs> nice. shit that, yeah, I, if you listen to Mike's Ma Mike Maxwell's uh, Live Free podcast, um, I okay. think I tell, I think I told, I was on there, I think it's episode 73, and I told, uh, that's when I was still going to do that little segment portion of yeah, it. Send, send me a link for that. I'll, I'll, try, I'll try. And I told a story. It was, it was going to be my take on how to, you know, what the cop is thinking and what the criminal yeah. is thinking, you know, and how you can well, avoid the fucking... A, a bunch of, but yeah, well, a bunch of guys that people are always like, you know, fuck the police, blah, blah, blah. It's like, the, that's somebody that it's easy to say, fuck the police when all you do is smoke weed at your house, right. you know, like, like that, then it's, it's easy to say that. But like, if you're out in the world, man, you're going to be interacting with those people. Um, a lot of the guys that work here, I, I've tattooed a lot of guys that are like gang task force guys, you know, like hard guys yeah. that just like yeah. kick down, kick like dudes, like just like roided out fucking 40, <laughs> like roided out 45 year old dudes with like neck tattoos and they're just like, yeah, man, they wanted to make me a detective. And I was like, fuck that. I just like kicking doors in. I, I love this. I love doing this shit. And I'm like, you know, that's it's cool, but you are kind of like a criminal. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, but it's cool. That's fine. I'm not yeah, judging. Blue, but it's like, oh, yeah. So I was like, th so that's fascinating to me, too, because I'm always into like I'll be tattooing these guys, like gang task force guys. And, uh, you know, they pick up their phone and they're like, uh. They're like, what? Did you talk to Pookie? Oh, fuck that. When I'm and then they're like, oh, fuck that. When I'm done here, we're gonna go and roll on him. I know where that fucker stays. And I'm like, you guys sound exactly like the, the gangsters that I've tattooed. Like that's exact same conversation that I've heard. I've heard that come out of people's mouths in a variety of circum you know circumstances. Right. And so it's funny. It's like it's and, it, and I was like, God, that sounds like so much fun. I mean, I'm kind of you know like I'm I'm I give I I have I try to like give no pretense to be a person that is trying to solve all the world's problems, right. you know, like at all. I mean, the world's fucked up. I know this. I'm trying to survive, you know, with, you know, I'm not trying to take advantage of anybody, you know, like I just wanted to, I, we can all do our own thing and not fucking hurt each other. But, you know, my, my, uh, my interest and everything are kind of motivated. They're, they're motivated by my own, my own survival and my own best, in, my own personal interests. So like, I'm like, whenever I hear like, it's like, I, this guy, his job is basically, you know, route, going, running through the projects and kicking down doors. I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. But then I'm like, I don't want him to do it to mine, my house. No, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like, but it sounds like that would be pretty fun. And, you know, I've seen the project. I've been in the projects and those fucking things need to be raided once in a while. You know, <laughs> fuck. You know, but I'm like, hey, you know, don't fuck with me on my motorcycle. Leave me alone. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's, it's, you know, it's not, it's basically, it's, it's, it's based on my own, uh, my own interests, but, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, sure. So you're going to have very guests on the show, which I do, yeah, yeah, man. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have more. Like, I, I'm doing this. I'm right in the middle now. Like, I did uh, I did the the, the Stephanie Tamez and Virginia and then Mina Aoki. Yeah. Mina was great. She, you could tell she was really, though, like, because she's a, such a new tattooer, especially in, in her eyes, she's a new tattooer. And she's, got, she's gotten a lot of attention because she's so good. But you could tell she's kind of tight about it because she's like, I don't want to seem like I know everything. 
there's a lot of women out there that have been tattooing longer than me. And I don't want to seem like, I don't want to feel, I don't want to give the impression that I feel like I've surpassed them because she is such like a hard worker herself. Like she was really just so, so classy. Did, did you listen to that, that interview? I didn't get to that part, part of the, uh, the show. I, 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 at the end, I asked her, I asked her a question about related to the Wolf of Wall Street because uh, they talk about a relative of hers in that movie, like in real life. And uh, so that there was, I wasn't just, I, I wanted to put a disclaimer that I wasn't just trying to be vulgar. I wasn't, I wasn't just using an excuse to be vulgar, but it was actually had reference to her. Um, yeah, she, she was fucking awesome. So, and I, uh, do you know who Jillian Goldstein is? Uh, she works, she's a tattoo artist at Flyright. She's fantastic, but she's an old school New York chick. She was in that movie Kids, the Larry Clark movie. So she was like one of the bad girls in that in that movie. So and she's a bad girl right now on tattooing. So she, I had her on last night for like an, a full hour. It was great. Um, I got a lot of guys like old school Zoo York Supreme Team skateboarders um, from this neighborhood, like Lower East Side guys. I want to try to have. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to have like a you know like a John Joseph from the Chromegs. He's he's a homeboy of mine. I'm gonna try to have like a bunch of people from like old New York hardcore bands on. Because this neighborhood is just like, you literally just like sit on the stoop for five minutes and somebody worthy of being on the show will walk by. So, um, yeah, so I'm just, you know, doing that, you know, having, having as much fun as possible. I'm still tattooing. I got I got an appointment. Oh, shit. All right. I got an appointment today. <laughs> He's probably here right now. Right uh, yeah. So I think I, I got to wrap it up, dude. I'm sorry. I had, no I had, problem, man. Hey, I appreciate you coming on, dude. I've uh, of really loved like, your work for a lot I, of years. I, I really appreciate that. And I'm down to come on an, another time. Now that we've got this Skype shit all figured out. Perfect, man. Yeah, we'll take, we'll take it. And uh, this was uh, episode one, Troy Denning. And uh, we'll hope for many nice. more, you know. Um, thank you, Troy, very much. I appreciate it. Everybody, so. please go to iTunes. I really, I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. I'm very honored. And, and go to okay, iTunes. Yeah. Invisible Radio. Keep it <laughs> invisible. At Invisible Sun on Instagram. That's Take me. Care, dude. And also, there's a there's gonna, there's a new uh, invisible underscore radio on Instagram also, which is going to be just purely uh, radio promotional type of stuff. So, all right, man. Thank you so Good much. Enough. Thank you, Troy. Take care. Buddy. Take care. Bye bye. That was Troy Denning, Invisible Radio. Go check it out. Um, really appreciate him coming on. This was the Joe Swanson Propaganda Podcast. 